Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Hello and welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the technology editor of The Irish and Sunday Independent. Uh, Please hit subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud if you are listening to this for the first time. Today we're going to talk about Bitcoin and we have a couple of people in studio who know a hell of a lot more about it than me. Uh, We have Ruben Godfrey, who's the founding director of the Blockchain Association of Ireland and advisor to CoinMetro and who is trying to create a crypto coast initiative uh, in Ireland to try and make the southeast an investment region for cryptocurrencies. We also have John Gleeson, who is a lapsed barrister, uh, also a retail represent, uh, representative for the Blockchain Association of Ireland, but also runs a chain of mobile repair shops at pairmobile.ie and who believes in Bitcoin in particular, but also cryptocurrencies. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks, Thanks And the first question, and it is, of course, the most superficial question you would expect from me. How high will Bitcoin go? Ruben, I'll let you take the first crack at that. Well, I can take the superficiality out of the question, maybe, by by kind of talking in a bit bigger terms about... No, I want to know how high <laughs> it will go. Versus Euro. So before, yeah, before yeah. Christmas, we saw $20,000. So what are the next year? $100,000? Well, I, I, I got this wrong. I was asked this last year, um, and I got it wrong. I, I had said $7,000 by Christmas. Um, people probably thought you were mad. People thought I was completely mad. And that's com- coming from industry professionals and people who are kind of close to it from uh, from kind of talking about the revolution sort of thing. They said, this is coming, this is coming. And they still didn't believe me that I... That was my guess. I got it wrong. I, I got it... Uh, I underestimated it. So... I can't see any reason it won't go up tenfold again in the next year. I mean, everything that's kind of been... $200,000. I, I think reasonably, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's, a, it's The thing about it is, when you start talking about eventual value, it's it'll get to that value, it's just how quickly. That's the, the question. It's not when, it's... It, it's Or, well, it's not if, it's when, or uh, it's not when, it's how much. I mean, so the big part of it is, I think it will versus get up to $200,000, probably in the next year, and... Um, but I think that the interesting thing that's going to start happening soon um, will be that we're not converting back into dollars or euros. We're going to be converting back into other cryptocurrencies. And that's, that's where it now gets really interesting. Now, when you say that, the yeah. analog listeners that we have mm-hmm. in their head, when you say they'll be converting back into other cryptocurrencies, yeah. one word, bubble. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, that's what they will think. <laughs> um, the bubble question is pretty interesting as well. I mean, I, I, I said this the other day, and, and for me, it's it's again, if you look at the 
if you look at a price graph or a sales graph of tractors at the beginning of the industrial revolution it'll look like a bubble because it's an exponential growth curve and there's like you can't con you know but then that's just the beginning of something this isn't uh, comparable to anything else I so think yeah I, I you know I would just well, add to that by saying that it, we have seen some senior economists the likes of Robert Schiller and Paul Krugman come out and say this is a bubble and if you're going to call it a bubble you need to explain why the last five bubbles have recovered you know so Bitcoin has dropped by 80% more than three times in the last eight years so it's extremely volatile but it has recovered each time so if you're going to call it a bubble you need to explain why it has come back and the reason for many people it has come back is because it's the first version of decentralized sound money yeah. and if it's to become a world reserve currency um, that that could be very promising. You, know, you wrote a piece recently where you compared it to the uh, the first uh, uh, the origins of the internet, mm. and yeah. you you kind of you sort of tried to draw a comparison between um, you were talking about Bitcoin rather yeah. than cryptocurrencies and yeah. internet the internet mm -hmm. twenty twenty five years ago mm -hmm. in terms of its its trajectory. That's is that surely not overstating it or, or should not really comparing like with I like. think the key thing to remember is that at the height of the dot-com bubble we had a huge mania and there's, an, there's touches of that now with Bitcoin for sure um, people got extremely excited they realised that this if this succeeds um, it could be enormous information sharing throughout the whole world instantaneously and so we had the likes of pets.com and some people who got way ahead of themselves mm -hmm. and there's definitely an element to that but uh, the core of the idea was important the internet really was a big deal and so we may be seeing some elements of that in cryptocurrency now whereby the there's a consensus among the best technologists in the world so the likes of Bill Gates Mark Zuckerberg Peter Thiel Mark Andreessen that this is as big a breakthrough as the internet and so if that's the case um, it is something you need to look into this is the other kind of I think a helpful comparison um, if you look at the, the growth of the internet in those times I mean I went through school without actually having an internet or uh, an email account I went you know I'm 39 now and I mean there's so, so it's kind of taken until now for that continued growth of internet to, for it to be ubiquitous in everyone's pocket, you know, suddenly it's some, something that's in the, 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 the everyday fabric of, or the fabric of everyday life. Perhaps it's going to be the same way, that there's a, a big peak in interest right now. It doesn't mean that um, that it's going to go away. <laughs> this is just the beginning. This is the way I, I feel about it. Is it, it may be bubbly. It might, it might have, you know, sort of uh, be volatile. I think volatile is probably a more useful word. Um, so in the interest of disclosure, do either of you own any cryptocurrencies and which yeah, cryptocurrency? And absolutely. So I, I <laughs> answer Bitcoin, yeah. I mean, I, I wrote that article in, in April of this year when Bitcoin was around 1,200 euros saying that, you know, you had these wild predictions. I, the title of the article was when Bitcoin euphoria goes mainstream. Lessons so how much from did the you dot com buy? Bubble. Uh, just a very small amount. I won't say exactly how many, but less than a Bitcoin, you know. So, um, and this is another misconception. You can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. Some yeah. people think, oh, God, I just have to buy a whole Bitcoin, but um, like everybody else, I wish I bought earlier and I wish I bought more, you know. But what about you, Ruben? Yeah, no, I, I hold a portfolio of uh, mostly altcoins, um, but so I held some Bitcoin, some Ether, um, but not massive amounts. I mean, I, I, like some Bitcoins. Some bits. You're already the richest person <laughs> in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, loaded, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm wasting my time. No, no, uh, no, no. no. It, it's, for me, I mean, this is the other part of it again, um, and it kind of gets a bit people kind of get a bit freaked out because it seems strange or it seems counterintuitive to like I'm really not interested in making money out of this okay so uh, why are you holding the Bitcoin then? because I believe that there's an opportunity for and again I, I believe that when I use the Bitcoin I, I hold it'll be to uh, buy services in a competitive 
blockchain startup that will be using a cryptocurrency to power its transactions. You're going to be waiting a while, though, for that, aren't yeah. you? I mean, where, where, what's like, this space? We, yeah, so <laughs> the ones that are usually trotted out are, you know, Overstock.com, yeah. um, Expedia, maybe some parts sure. of Microsoft.com. Sure. Where, I mean, where else can you actually trade? Or your I mean, the first use case is, is definitely speculation, but that mm. doesn't mean it's the last use case, yeah. you know. So in order for the network to be propagated, you need this speculative frenzy in every single previous bubble, like when electricity first came out or when oil was first discovered or when gold was first discovered, you had this wild uh, excitement and fluctuations in price and people didn't know how big it would become. But ultimately, though, all those things became pretty ubiquitous, you know, and worldwide. And I think we're in a similar phase with Bitcoin and, and some of the others at the moment. Well, this is, so, I mean, you mentioned uh, CoinMetro is one of the startups I'm, I'm working with. Um, they'll have a native currency in that, the tokens that they're they're, they're going to be issuing. So, um, so I've been working with about 16 um, ICO startups. So these are basically blockchain startups that have all issued their own digital tokens or digital assets, or if you want, you can call it clunkily a, a, a currency behaves sometimes or in some ways like a currency you can trade it and it's worth something as in it's a, you know people believe that there's a value behind it because they understand the nature of what that digital asset is however so this is where it kind of gets interesting when products start coming down line um, that I want to buy if I use Bitcoin I'll have a significant price saving versus uh, paying for the pleasure of, of using dollars or euros for, you know so, so I have a little bit of a different take on this in that I, I, there's two elements of Bitcoin to me. There's the Austrian economic side of it, where mm. it's you know strictly deflationary currency. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. Mm. 16 million of them have already been mined, and that means there's only 5 million, million left. And this idea of sound money, for me, is a very important of the ho mm. uh, whole thing. So the likes of Hayek and Mises and uh, uh, Rothbard, Gilder, all came up with this idea that central banks um, shouldn't be allowed to just print money mm. endlessly. You know, that if you have a scarce supply of money, and they based it off gold or a, commodity, a basket of commodities that uh, it would it would act as a measure a measuring stick for the economy so the economy is is just a series of entrepreneurial experiments and you need something steady to base against that and so gold has taken that role um, for the last few thousand years and the interesting thing about bitcoin is it's come along and it has uh, better characteristics than gold so would you describe um, as an adjective uh, or an adverb i'm not sure which it is um, the rise of ICOs and the interest around ICOs at the moment is steady. Um, so I think we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit at the moment. I, my personal take on it is that we're at the infrastructure stage mm -hmm. where we're 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 building the protocols. Like so, uh, Bitcoin is a protocol. It's arguably digital gold, the reserve currency of cryptocurrencies. This is if it succeeds. Now I give a quick disclaimer here in that this is all very speculative. If if you're going to get into this, you have to look into yourself. And this is not financial advice and all that. But yeah. if it is a reserve currency, I would say, and you know maybe Ethereum's a reserve as well. We're just in the early stage of that and the applications will come down the line. So the same thing happened um, in all of the previous booms we talked about uh, in the early internet days. The people who did best were those who were uh, installing the routers, the cabling and stuff like that. That's who did really well in the early 90s. And then later on, we saw the likes of Google, Facebook and the applications being built. So that's my take on, on where we are now. There are some hard luck stories, aren't there? I mean, you, you're both aware of the uh, story of James Howells. But for those who aren't, I'm just going to remind you, this was... Um, the Daily Telegraph recapped it nicely. So James Howells is a guy who began mining Bitcoin in 2009 on his personal laptop. But in 2013, and quote, after I had stopped mining, the laptop I'd used was broken into parts and sold on eBay. 
So he kept the drive he used to collect the bitcoins. So if Bitcoin did become valuable one day, I would still have the coins I mined. But cleaning his home in 2013, he mistakenly put it into a waste bin at his local landfill site in Newport, South Wales, where it got buried. Mm. And now the value of that is easily well above uh, $100 million. He's seven and a half thousand lost uh, Bitcoin. And he has been trying to seek permission to excavate that dump. But the local council, Newport City Council, won't let him excavate the dump because they say it's against their environmental rules. Um, And they say that there are currently 350,000 tonnes of waste there with 50,000 more tonnes added each year. So um, the question, the problem facing uh, Mr. Howells is at what valuation does the Bitcoin actually have to reach before he literally tries to buy the dump? Buy the dump, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Look. And he's not the only one. There there's are lots people. Of stories there's like lots of stories. Like so that. there are lots of stories but of people forgetting like, passwords. It's like a galleon full of gold bullion being sank and being at the bottom of the English Channel. It's like good luck. I mean, you know. So this is. But you it, can you can die for sure gold bullion. The same you can. You, you, there's hard luck stories, but this is again. It's it's his hard luck kind of refastens everyone else to 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 uh, try and secure themselves in ways that he didn't. You know. So the the the. the, the I know, I, a guy, I, I know mean, a guy in Bray who threw out a laptop with 23 Bitcoin on it. Yeah. You know a guy in Bray? <laughs> yeah, you I mean, know a guy in Bray who threw out a laptop with 23 Bitcoin Yeah, on but this it. is like five years ago or something. Okay, so, well, no, so uh, threw the laptop out. Uh, so that's about f- uh, roughly half a million. Yeah, ago. yeah. And it's like, I mean, he's, you know, he can't say he's... Mm. Not upset a little bit, mean, but sure, like, what do you do? Yeah, you have to be. I mean, it's, Does it's, he have a spouse or a partner? Yeah, yeah. Is the partner and spouse okay with that? <laughs> Does he or she know? I don't know, actually. So um, this actually points to a pretty important thing, if anyone's looking into this, is that Bitcoin is different to the money you have in your bank account yeah. because it's your own money. And this yeah. is like a, this is the breakthrough, is that if you hold your own private keys, it's your money, essentially. So what we saw in 2014 was a huge run-up in the price, um, all the way up to $1,000, and then it crashed down to 200 over two years because the biggest exchange, Mt. Gox, mm. got hacked. Mm. A lot of people lost their money. And they realized if you don't hold your private keys on like a hardware, wallets you can buy hardware wallets to store um, at home if you don't hold your private keys you don't own your money so if you have money in the bank the bank have a legal right to your money and they lend that out to whoever else and as we've seen in the financial crisis they don't always repay that back so that's the breakthrough that's all your own private money what you've just described there is all theoretical though isn't it we're really talking about a question of faith like what is ownership of a digital girl like in other words it really is just what you can trade it for in terms of a physical uh, good or a service I think I think a more uh, this is where it's it sounds big, sound, begins to sound a bit complicated when we get into it like this from this angle. Only unless you're you're directly comparing, contrasting to. If you can explain to me simply what money is, it's just a promissory note. Yeah, again, a bit of how it's, it's how an it's article of faith sure, against sure, something that exactly. will be given to you. Yeah, well, this is it. So that's uh, that's it's all faith based versus. Um, I could Bitcoin, own a whole bundle of. 500 euro notes and it wouldn't mean anything if nobody accepted precisely it. so so but the the, the difference is uh, like uh, like john mentioned earlier that there's nothing to stop the central bank in fact their function is literally to print more of that yep. whenever they feel that they should With like bitcoin faith and the consent of all of us yeah that's now, the only reason exactly it works precisely which which for, for me and john i think we, we kind of come from the same school of thought on this one but i mean the, the idea that i mean i trust banks i trust them to make money and I trust them to have nice, big, shiny buildings, and I trust them to do certain things. I don't trust them with my money. 
You trust them with your tracker mortgage? <laughs> I don't actually <laughs> have a mortgage. That's a good example of, of why yeah, we want to own our own money. You know, we Precisely. don't know what's going on. We've seen just the too big to fail. And Bitcoin was launched into this environment. So it, yeah. this, this was launched in 2009. Mm-hmm. And in the Genesis block, which was the first block of transactions, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, the anonymous developer, wrote uh, Chancellor on a brink of second bailout for banks. So that's the ideological element as well as the technological breakthrough. So mm-hmm. um, it wasn't just, I mean, as I say, the technology has been in the works for 30 years. You have a mixture of peer-to-peer networking. Uh, you've got uh, digital signatures. Um, so peer-to-peer networking would be like Napster or something like that. And then you've got open source software. And uh, they were combined in a novel way with this proof-of-work mining. And that was the technological breakthrough. But the, the ideological thing was that um, there needs to be some sort of stopgap against endless money printing by central banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's important to understand both those elements, I think. Satoshi Nakamoto, dead, alive? Possibly, well, there's <laughs> one, well, one theory would say that he is actually dead. Um, if you go down Hal Finney, kind of route, is the, the the person. If it's going to be one person, Hal Finney is probably the most likely person. But I kind of take the the slightly tinfoil hat point of view and suggest that it's the NSA and the group. Yeah, oh, it's going to be. I mean, it's too big to be just. It's too good to be one person, and it was too well timed. Early on, there was a few things that is like a few. Remember a few of those explainer videos that were just too too slick and stuff like that. I mean, there was, I mean, you know, so so so. I think it's bigger than just one person. I don't think it's a, a clever group of hackers. It, I mean, it, it's. I mean, it's very hard to know at this stage, but yeah. I think it's important to note that it doesn't actually matter at this stage. That's so it. The well, core, the core software is, is maintained by hundreds of developers. But some people would say you've got Satoshi Nakamoto, whatever mm-hmm. or whoever that is. You then have the Winklevoss twins mm-hmm. who own supposedly a billion plus uh, worth of Bitcoin, supposedly. You then have all of the mining activity, which apparently is happening in China. And if it's happening with cheaper free electricity in China, then it's very difficult to escape the idea that the Chinese government is sort of controlling a a certain proportion of of development of, we're talking about Bitcoin here. Um, So isn't the ownership or control of large chunks of Bitcoin an issue of faith for those who are considering using it or trading it or holding it? I mean, these people took enormous risk at the start. You know, as I said, it's crashed by 80% more than three times over the last few years. So a lot of people think, oh, I wish I just bought when it was a dollar. But would you have held? You yeah. wouldn't have held unless you fundamentally understood. It. And I didn't understand it myself. If it was $2, I would have sold and, and I would have been exactly. telling everybody so that I was a genius. People feel this is unfair, but these people this took enormous risk to, mm-hmm. to get the network going. Yeah. So this is the thing. This is, so, so people who, for me, I kind of take the anti-hold approach. Like I'd like to use Bitcoin. I mean, if it doesn't have a use, then it doesn't really actually have a value. So, so I'm kind of, the, the holding is, all big and clever and look how much money I've made but you only make the money when you cash it back out as well so <laughs> you only recognize one Bitcoin is one worth worth one Bitcoin right well so yeah, I mean there's a futures there is at least one yes. futures market now open in Chicago uh, uh, against Bitcoin. Wall Street last week as well right? I mean, yeah, and there's another one in ago. Germany yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's another one in Germany uh, that's about to uh, that that's being considered mm-hmm. um, there's talk of it anyway so it's we're now entering an era of derivatives of yeah. Bitcoin so it's not just the, the actual article sl- itself. Slightly distasteful to myself and John, yeah, probably. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's the world, though. When you yeah. say derivatives, that sort of sounds scary, and you're like, God, this is what led to all the problems in the in the central banks, but there's a very important distinction to make here, right? So banks have fractional reserve, mm-hmm. right? So they don't have all your money in the bank. You don't have all your money in the bank. They have, I don't know what the exact reserves are, but it's not 100%. Sorry. Bitcoin is 100% reserve. So those 21 million Bitcoins, there will never be any more, and that's mm-hmm. a very important thing. So if you hold your Bitcoins, you have that. You don't need to worry about the derivatives market. It may be extreme 
extremely volatile up and down, but if you hold your private keys, you hold your money, there's nothing to worry about mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And what about mining? Have we, have we finished with the days of mining in the West? No. It's, it's interesting that I think that there's, well, there are other cryptocurrencies that require mining. Uh, other than just Bitcoin, and they've kind of been more efficient and they're a bit more user-friendly and sort of slightly more lightweight. Um, and people are being very innovative. There's almost like a Brown's Law sort of thing of, of when it comes to, I can't remember what it is, but around um, energy production. So you talk about solar cells and stuff like this. Um, we're looking into tidal uh, energy production for our facility out in Dunleary. We want to use what is there, right? I mean, why would you? <laughs> it's like the sea comes in and out. Let's figure out how to use this. So there's all sorts of different. I mean, I worked with one ICO hydro miner out of Austria. They have they have mining uh, facilities at these uh, small hydro plants up the Alps. They produce le- electricity locally, and it's really inefficient for them to sell it back into the network. So you're better off. It's just like Bitcoin is the reward for finding the world's cheapest electricity. So wherever that's made and however it's done, there's an interesting crowd called SunX, Sun Exchange, who um, out of South Africa, um, and again they're just putting, they're doing the maths, putting together a solar farm and doing mining that way, and then selling back excess energy into the grid. And so there's all yeah, these. So it's, it is a lot of excess yeah. energy being used. You yeah. know, it's not just this new thing and. All the energy being used by Bitcoin is a lot, but what does that produce? It produces the most secure network in the world. It's never mm. been hacked in eight years. Over two trillion in value has been transferred mm. over the network. So they're creating something of enormous value. It's still only one tenth of the gold mining um, energy use each yeah. year. So it's it's actually very small. And if you take all the resources used by the banks, add that onto the gold mining, you know, this is what the Bitcoin is trying to replace. You know? When people uh, hear that phrase, it, it hasn't been hacked. Uh, you're, you're talking about blockchain and you're, you're talking no, about No, I'm talking about the Bitcoin protocol the itself. Bitcoin protocol itself yeah yeah so but the, the exchanges have been hacked yeah um, right and that's that's a critical distinction to make so a lot of people buy bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies on exchanges and they just leave them there so that they that means the exchange owns your money essentially mm-hmm. it's like leaving it in in the bank when you know the financial collapse happened sometimes which is normal uh, anticipated behavior sure but i mean i it, you know it there is there's risks in everything the security trade-offs and everything for some people maybe it's too complicated for them but it is becoming increasingly easy to um buy a, a hardware stick, store your Bitcoins on that, put it in a safe or put it in a vault. And that's what are we are we still recommend. essentially at this stage anyway, talking about mm-hmm. people uh, like people around this table who would be uh, incentivized um, and uh, to buy Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency and can do it. But that somebody's parents who aren't particularly tech savvy uh, are still not at a point where they would do that. I think we're going through we're going through a kind of a crossover period, I think, at the moment. Um, Everything is, like I said, still kind of we're, we're thinking in translating it back into euros so in order for it to be used, which is kind of the ugly period. I mean, remember when we got the euro in versus the versus the, the I remember the punt. Well. I mean, uh, people so were still talking. They used the phrase, how much is that in Irish? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like somebody would talk about buying a house or mm. buying a car or something like that. And they'd be, they'd be yeah, they four hundred thousand. Yeah, what, yeah, what's that in real? What's that in Irish? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I mean so the, exactly. So there's the kind of I think that the crossover period is probably going to be a little bit longer. But another oh, you're not suggesting that we're entering a phase where our primary valuation uh, reaction is. Well, imagine Bitcoin. you were offered now you could have five hundred euro pay in, in euro notes, mm-hmm. or you could get things called say Google dollars or Amazon dollars, which you can use online. Can tell you, and there's a thirty percent price benefit. If you use these, you get thirty percent more bang for your book. Okay, so that's is, is that? I mean, that's uh, like what ordinary people sometimes for bonuses in companies in Ireland are offered. They're offered. Do you want 
like 300 euro cash or 500 euro say one for all voucher that sort of thing so if you remove all the okay. banking if you remove all the middlemen all the the, the no value add um pieces uh, in, in that ex value exchange right so i'm online i have a digitally or you know internet native currency i'll get 20 percent, 30 percent, 40 percent, whatever percent uh spending benefit if i use that versus euros uh, and you offer that to people, then suddenly it doesn't really doesn't matter. You know, people. Will, it's like for me, I guess the the other comparison between euro and and punt changeover is we we knew what punt was. It was our currency. It was supposed to be you know it was the Irish central bank. Then suddenly we're told, you know what? Look, it's grand. Use these instead. Yeah. So everyone went out. I remember getting them that night at twelve o'clock. Went out, got it, and was like, okay, I can use these now. Yeah, perfect. And you know, it was New Year's I Eve. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's a good it's a good point. But to yeah. get to that point, to take your Google dollars. Mm. Uh, um, example to get to that point where it is traded or distributed in that kind of way yeah. we're going to have to be far further down the regulatory path yeah. aren't we in terms of acceptance in terms of we're eight years down the, the track now this, this is the thing is like it's, it seems like it's new but it's not that new anymore no, in terms of central banks and in terms well, of they've, t they've taken a reasonably light touch approach so far mm -hmm. I mean it's hard to know exactly how it'll play out but the SEC have said you know we, we can't regulate Bitcoin we're not going to regulate Bitcoin I mean it's like trying to say we're going to regulate BitTorrent you know and mm -hmm. the, certainly the music industry tried to do that what you're saying is we're going to we're going to intercept people's communications because that's mm -hmm. all it is packets of cryptographic data going between computers and mm -hmm. uh, the you court can still be arrested in some circumstances for using BitTorrent sure sorry some governments yeah. have clamped down and the Chinese government yeah. have, have banned the exchanges and in some uh, it is fully illegal in some countries still. In Europe, it's still a bit of a question mark. In Ireland, they haven't given much guidance at all. Um, but at the moment, as I say, we're proceeding on the basis that the US sort of set the financial regulatory scope for the Western world anyway. Japan has fully endorsed it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's definitely going in the right direction at the moment. My, there's been much more concern around some of the more scammy ICOs or other cryptocurrencies that have emerged more recently with sort of uh, suspect founders, no users and... Um, you know, I, I would be very wary of people. It's important to understand Bitcoin and how that works first and how to store your private keys before you look into anything else. Mm. Uh, Ruben, you know a bit more than me about the well, ICOs. The ICO know. space, I mean, I, I got into that entirely because I was curious to know what was going on there um, and, and sort of how these things work, what, who's behind them, what the mechanism is. Um, as I was saying earlier on today, but I mean, I'd, I'd rather be the, the worst player on the pitch than the best guy in the pub watching the game, you know? So uh, that's been my thing is just get in and get dirty. I say dirty, it's all clean, nothing dirty. But um, no, 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 so, so it's an incredibly interesting time. Um, nobody really knows, and that's the truth about, about where the ICO space is headed, what the, the reality is. So at, at the moment, people are kind of making hay while the sun shines, and it can only be good in the long term for regulators as well to know which direction to push regulations in, what, what behaviours and what activities are, are detrimental, which are positive, which can they support, which are sustainable, um, which you can see, have social like in benefit. In a contractual as a human, yeah, situation yeah. or in a dispute, mm -hmm one of the advantages to the feed currencies we have and the financial infrastructure we have at the moment is there is a certain amount of accountability, traceability, evidentiary mm. uh, procedures which um, are well-worn paths and which are accessible to um, a lot of people, even against the will of those who hold that currency. And sure. that's a safeguard yeah. to, for all of us well, in the, doing business, right? The, the, the blockchain may be the strongest uh, tool ever that's existed in terms of traceability, KYC, anti-money laundering. Uh, the, the fear is that people don't know how powerful it can be uh, in counteracting them. Basically, the blockchain is the transaction history of every transaction that's ever taken place on the Bitcoin blockchain. Mm -hmm. Publicly shared, everyone has a copy of it. 
So, uh, you know, so <laughs> people think Bitcoin is fully anonymous and it really, you know, there it's is this not. full public yeah, record no. and the founder of the first early drug market, Silk Road, was caught. There was a recent seizure in Denmark of 200,000 Bitcoins. So if you bought um, Bitcoin or some of the other currencies with the bank account, you know, it's traceable back to that bank account. So it's something I would caution people is to understand that it is more traceable. Now, there are more anonymous currencies like Monero and Zcash that are in, in the works at the moment. And there is talk that Bitcoin will eventually possibly integrate some of this stuff. But for the moment, um, it's less Anonymous, I think, than people think. This is it. Yeah, it's actually kind of. I think. Yeah, <laughs> there's going to be a bit of a, a few knocks, a few three, yeah, p- I mean, three a.m. knocks on doors uh, at some stage once they understand exactly how traceable it is. But yeah, so I mean, th- watch out for Chuck E. Cheese tokens, right? <laughs> yeah, remember that I scam mean, story before Christmas? Oh yeah, some oh, yeah, guy yeah, sold sorry, it. He was trying to sell them. It was a scam. It didn't happen. Never happened, folks. There wasn't oh, yeah. somebody who was arrested for selling uh, one million dollars worth of. Uh, alleged Bitcoin, but were actually Chuck E. Cheese tokens. That was fake news. Um, so I'm going to ask for a very quick, basic primer for people who've been following this discussion, but who uh, are interested or intrigued and might want to uh, consider looking at uh, buying. And we're going to stick with Bitcoin as opposed to other uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, give me an idiot's guide on how to buy Bitcoin or set it up yeah so i mean it's it's becoming increasingly easy there was a time a few years ago when when i first looked into it in 2014 you had to make a bank transfer to some random guy that you didn't know and hope that he just sent you them mm. and um you know i i sort of gave up on that basis and that like there's just i just didn't expect the stuff to ever come back to me but nowadays there's the biggest exchange coinbase which is, has its own problems and is overwhelmed now by the, all the excitement recently and um, you can go on with a credit card and buy there so it is becoming increasingly That's uh, coinbase in, Coinbase.com, it's yeah, one of the biggest App exchanges. Store, yeah. And um, yeah, it's Square, the Square app, you can now, uh, well, it's a limited release, you can buy it on there. And Bitfinex is one of the other big exchanges. But uh, again, it's it's probably better to start with a resource like Coindesk.com forward slash information. And that'll give you like, you know, an hour's work, basic resource of how to how to figure this out. So that's a good entry. But there's another very good podcast called Hash Power, which is sort of a three-part series that will give you an overview of the whole thing. So I would start there before you buy anything. I'd urge anyone to look at the Blockchain Association of Ireland website as well. <laughs> so we have an excellent resource page there that uh, has good. No, it has got a load of good links. Um, I find Reddit is actually excellent as well for anyone that wants to get into it. Have, have search on there. Careful what you don't listen to one source of truth in this stuff, though. Really, do don't don't listen to your mate who sits beside you in work and just sort of take his word for it. He's just probably done the same thing. So there's a bit of um, that's a very such an important point. Like mm-hmm. I can't agree more. Uh, like if you look at the Bitcoin white paper, there's yeah. people who are referencing that white paper. So Adam Back and Nick Zabo, these are people around for 20 years. Mm-hmm. They're the type of people you should be listening to because they really deeply understand the technology and the ideology behind it. Other people like Trace Mayer, who've been promote, promoting since 2011. Mm. Um, there's a lot of scammers in the space, and that was the same. That's the same with every bubble. It was the same with the dot com bubble. So you've oh, got yeah. wary, you know? Sorry, it's worthwhile pointing out that there's other things that look and sound like cryptocurrencies that aren't cryptocurrencies. If you, if somebody gets in a, in a sort of uh, network marketing or what do you call that, multi-level marketing sort of style, if anything feels like that run the other direction uh, or run as far as your phone google it there's some stuff out there i don't want to name names but there's two specific pure outright scams that are going on and they're very active in ireland at the moment so if anyone has any doubts just google it give it a quick google and if it says if the first thing that comes up is scam it's probably a scam okay 
Okay. So one of the interesting things about Bitcoin is that it's the first unseizable store of wealth in history. So this is a unique thing in that you can walk through the airport with 50 million euros in your head just via a password. Now, if you were in uh, Nazi Germany in 1945, you couldn't leave with any gold. If you're in Venezuela today and the Bolivar is, is you know, hyperinflating and your money's not worth anything, you can walk out of the country with your Bitcoins in your head. So that that's not as big a deal for us right now, but if a financial collapse arises or if you're in a country where the money is managed very badly, that is like a, a real breakthrough. It's a new thing. and um, It also puts you beyond the civic reach of your citizens, your fellow citizens. So uh, let's say the, the legislature here or in any country passes a wealth tax, for example, mm -hmm. and they do it for noble reasons or, or agreed democratic reasons mm -hmm. they're elected to do. What you're kind of saying is that you shouldn't be included in that society. Um, I, I don't think so in that. I think ultimately regulation will come in and, and you will have to declare how many Bitcoins you have. And if you want to grow up in Ireland, send your kids to schools and avail of all the services in the country you want to be in, you'll have to declare your Bitcoin in, in the same way you would have to declare your gold or anything else. So the regulations will eventually apply. I don't think it's, it's you know, there will always be tax havens. There will be, be people trying to hide their money around the world. That'll we don't know change. anything about tax havens in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's say worse tax havens in Ireland. Um, so I, I think there's no new problem there. You know, the way it'll, it'll just be one of those things that um, regulations will have to address mm -hmm. in the same way to, to gold. So, I mean, it, it has, as I say, the, all the, those, those characteristics of, of really sound money. And I, I think that's a really important thing to, to just remind people that sound money is, is a, a store of value, a medium of exchange and a unit of account. And um, gold, uh, like Bitcoin, is durable, transportable, divisible, fungible, scarce and acceptable. And so uh, if a, so a good source of money will have all those characteristics and Bitcoin is arguably the best money we've seen yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So moving aside from Bitcoin, um, I want to ask you a little bit about your other business, which is Pair Mobile, PairMobile.ie, um, not about the business itself, but just about what you do, which is essentially fixing mobile phones, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I have an iPhone 10. And I have been told that if I crack that glass or break that glass, it's going to cost me a fortune to mm -hmm. repair. Is that right? Is it a couple? It, of, that's absolutely right. When, three or four hundred euro or something. Yeah, the screens are extremely expensive. Apple don't release many of them once once it happens, so it's it's very hard to get your hands on new screens now. That the price tapers off very fast, so. You're in luck, though, Adrian, because we sell screen protectors and uh, no, no good. Stuff it's, like it's that. No so good. No good. If, you, if you've got a crack screen, a screen protector is no good whatsoever. You have a crack screen. But is Apple worse that way? Is it a lot more expensive than other brands? It, Samsung screens are very expensive as well. When they first come out, it's just as a very limited supply. You is know? it all of them, or is it just the like the curved and the like the Note Eight? Is it? Is They're it, the most expensive right. for sure. Yeah. So it's as it in just, a couple hundred euro. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So that's why when when you buy them, you should get a, a, a screen protector first thing. You know put it on straight you away. Know, I don't like screen protectors though. Why I mean, is that? Because they, I feel that they cut down on the fluency and the smoothness of me using the screen. Well, I've used a Zag screen protector. They're yeah. one of the better ones. So they're yeah, they, they're, they're okay. But I, I, I can detect a little micro lag. And if there wasn't a micro lag, they would just put them on when they were making the phones. Well, I mean, look, there's the trade off. Do you want to pay yeah. 400 so quid or accept small micro lag? You know, I mean, I, I, don't, so I don't notice the phone myself, I have at the moment, the phone I have at the moment mm -hmm. uh, in front of me, I have, I'm all, I've, dozens of phones but the phone I'm using at the moment is um, it's a Huawei it's a large uh, Huawei phone and it came to me with a screen protector on and mm -hmm. I can't take it off I've been trying to tear it off mm -hmm. and I don't notice much of a lag but I do notice a lag compared certainly to the iPhone 10 
-hmm. And that very nearly made me it, that it, impact almost impacted the review I gave this phone because I could not determine whether or not the the phone on this screen was actually mm -hmm. uh, uh, as good as it as it should be. Okay. Um, the other thing is, it's not just the screens now because a lot of the the iPhone eight, for example, has a glass rear on it mm -hmm. for for uh, for wireless charging, mm -hmm. which means that if you don't use a case you could now have to replace the front and the back. Yeah, I mean, when you know, when any new technology or new phone like this comes out, that you know, it they have to compromise in terms of the actual weight and the thickness of the glass and everything else. So they are, you know, always going to be breakable because they're trying to fit more and more into it. So look, it's not going to be exactly the same with the screen protector and the cover, but if you're not if you don't want to pay, you know, top prices i mean the, the cost of replacing a screen for an older phone is much much less less than 100 euros but it when a new iphone comes out it's always in the multiple hundreds now it does decrease all the time and um, pretty rapidly so why is that is that because um very apple. limited supply coming out of apple. but is it other is it just apple that controls the apple and samsung yeah and then of their know, own screens there are no external providers or third-party providers that will do those screens. no you can buy refurbished screens on the market they eventually come through but again they're very very limited supply initially and um you know the apple screens themselves are obviously the most expensive as are the samsung screens and so um it's just a case of what what trade-offs you want you know you can buy a refurbished screen it might not last as long but we offer a one-year warranty on all our repairs so you can come back in for that you know whenever you want so we're the largest retail repairs brand in ireland and you know there are i would say there's not that many competitors who are willing to stand over their repairs for that long and so if you get a repair with us it'll last that long hmm. what's the what's the most common phone you see coming in with a cracked screen iphone is by far still the most popular in ireland we love iphone um it's uh, now just to distinguish you mean it's the most popular phone that you see coming in or the most vulnerable screen oh uh the screens are all vulnerable to be honest like, all they vulnerable. haven't made so you're not singling screen. out iphones as being no okay. no they all they all smash if you if you drop them with enough uh, speed you know so it's it's one of these things whereby um i mean that's our business essentially you know we sell screen protectors we sell phone covers and we and we repair phones but we also sell secondhand phones and part of the things is is that you know our repair technicians are highly trained they've they've spent years in the training and so they understand um when you repair a phone it's not all the same not all repair places are the same we often get phone repairs in from other shops that bits have been left out of it they've used the wrong screens everyone would say that joe john wouldn't they everyone would say our technicians are the best <laughs> well look i, I can only tell you the truth adrian so yeah uh, yeah yeah i uh, i'm happy to uh give it a 10 percent discount for all listeners oh, here in january okay. so yeah well, great there brilliant there's the plug <laughs> um uh what do you think of this era that we're heading in toward of just mega expensive phones do you think it's it's here to stay are they mega expensive though or, or 1200 euro for an iphone 10 yeah i mean it's it's uh, there's a huge amount of memory on it it's does it you know it's, 60, it's much faster what does it start at 64 gigabytes 64 That's not yeah, huge up memory. to 250 huh isn't it 256 is 256 yeah. so um but it's, the 1200 is for the 64 uh, it's for the 64 gigabytes entry price if you buy it new yeah a lot of them are obviously subsidized um i mean look i i'm a you know big fan of smartphones they're enormously distracting but they are a huge productivity tool as well so it's like you know it's it's a double-edged sword with any of these things you have an iphone 10 in front too there do you? i do indeed yeah yeah do you know what surprised me about it i have a 8 plus and a 10 and mm -hmm. i love the 10 it's 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 really a brilliant phone mm -hmm. um i was I didn't quite realize that the screen on it is smaller than the iPhone 8 Plus. So it has a 5.8 inch screen mm -hmm. uh, corner to corner, mm -hmm. but it's still actually quite a bit smaller than the 5.5 inch screen on the it's iPhone funny, 8 Plus. Funny, isn't it, that that small difference can feel very different when well, you're Well, because if you're watching a YouTube video, and yeah. like the main reason for having a bigger phone is, for me, it's really 
two things. It's one watching video and it's and two, it's to have more real estate when you're scrolling through stuff so you don't have to keep uh, scrolling. Agreed. I used to have the 6S Plus and I really like that as mm-hmm. well. Um, so it does feel almost like a, yeah, yeah, annoyingly smaller. It's harder to type a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. But again, it's one of these things that fits easier in your pocket. It's not as clunky. Um, but I agree with you. I actually prefer the larger screens. As and well. how have you uh, transitioned to the Face ID? Do you like it? I think it's okay. I mean, I'm not that excited about it. Like I went to pay for something there recently with the Apple thing, and you're sort of staring into it like an mm. idiot at the at the tails. It's uh, it works uh, actually. It's really, pretty quick. Oh, really? To be it wasn't. It, it was slow. You found it slow. I found it a little bit slow because you double tap as well as yeah, staring yeah, into it. Course. So you're sort of leaning over the whole thing. Uh, maybe oh, I'm just getting wow. used to it now. You okay. know. I have you found, found it to be good? Oh yeah, I found that I just I literally just. I bring it, you know, literally a couple of centimeters up. I just glance at it, double tap, no problem. Mm, maybe I just need to get the hang of it a little bit better. Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean it works so far. So far, the so only the only problem with miss uh, with not having Touch ID is when you want to quickly or surreptitiously uh, unlock your phone, like yes, saying your pocket on the way up to seeing it, or yeah, exactly. Just hold it sort yeah. of down by your side and check something in a meeting or this, something. You're just like, for <laughs> example, and God it. and listeners, God forgive me for saying this in the cinema right yeah there are times in the cinema when you just have to look at your phone and listen i have it on the lowest brightness i don't i will always shield it but with face id you have to look at it and it's more awkward in the face so the phone will have to face upwards which means there will be a kind of lightsaber of light mm-hmm. coming up from your seat whereas with touch id or another form of unlocking it you can you can just touch it keep the phone upside down and then sneak a peek at an angle and nobody can really see that you're looking at your phone yeah maybe apple don't like people looking at phones in the cinema so that's what they uh, they decided on yeah maybe maybe um anyway listen uh, i'd like to thank uh, both john gleason and reuben godfrey for uh, coming into studio today john gleason a, a, a barrister Relapse Barrister, retail representative for the Blockchain Association of Ireland and who runs a chain of mobile repair shops at Pairmo, called Pair Mobile. And Ruben Godfrey is the founding director of the Blockchain Association of Ireland and advisor to Coin, at Coin Metro and the person behind a Crypto Coast initiative to try and make the Southeast an investment region for cryptocurrencies. That's our lot for this week. Please do hit subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud or whatever podcast network you use. You can also listen to The Big Tech Show on independent dot ie forward slash podcasts till next time bye bye